Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heal Thyself, episode number seven. Already, this show has been flowing. Already, we've been touching people's lives. Already, people have been empowered. Do you know that? Uh, do you remember that show I did on uh, the mush uh, overnight oats? Well, apparently, from what I read, they are changing because of this show. They are changing their labeling on their website and on their product. Do you see how powerful communication, knowledge, and empowerment is? It can change the way companies behave. With that said, today I'm going to go into something that I'm so passionate about. Actually, I didn't really even sleep last night because I was so into it. I was waking up and I was going, all right, yeah, yeah, now I got to talk about this, go back to sleep. Then waking up and going, oh, no, 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 wait, what about this? So how can I relay this, all this information in the most concentrated amount of time? But what I'm going to speak to you about today in my knowledge bomb is dairy. How can we not talk about dairy? That whole industry is changing. But before I say anything, I've been speaking for years about holding companies accountable, holding industries accountable. And a lot of people have been concerned sometimes saying, oh, no, be careful because, you know, these industries are ruthless or whatever. Look, this is my truth. I choose not to live in fear. I choose to disseminate this information to you all so you can be empowered. What, how purposeful is a life if you're living in fear? I don't live in fear. I'm here to just educate you all and hold companies and industries accountable. So with that said, let us go to our knowledge bomb segment. All right, check this out. The knowledge bomb is ready to go. What are we gonna talk about? Dairy, one of my favorite subjects, one of my most passionate subjects. Why is dairy even a thing in 2019? Who still drinks milk? I know a lot of people still eat cheese, but why? Look, in 2018, the dairy industry lost $1.1 billion to alternative dairy. That's crazy. Since the past five years, the non-dairy industry has grown 61%. Dairy farmers are losing money. The dairy industry is going down the drain. Why? I attribute it to two things. We become smarter. We've learned a lot more about what dairy does. And there's more options. Back when I started, uh, in a, when, I, when I became a vegan 10 years ago almost already, um, there was just a few choices and a lot of it was soy milk. But then over the past 10 years, you have so many choices for milks and cheeses and all these things. But let's start with this, calcium, all right? This is, this is what we've been brainwashed with the most. We need to get our calcium from dairy, period. And they've been campaigning forever and doing it so well with these marketing bucks telling us that dairy is our only source of calcium. I mean, people are so indoctrinated with this understanding. Milk, it does a body good. How about those athletes back in the 90s where they had the milk mustaches? I was always grossed out by that. I was like, Cindy Crawford, why do you have a milk mustache? I was like, oh, this is so gross. Um, the latest one, I saw one of Clay Thompson, the guy on the stand, um, the Golden State Warriors. He was, he was um, advertising milk. And I'm like, come on, guy, you know, stick to hitting three pointers. Don't talk about milk because they're pushing so hard. But there's coalitions of there's actually a coalition that I work with. It's called Switch for Good of Olympian athletes, doctors and other athletes that are just educating the masses about dairy and what it does. They actually had a segment on one of the, uh, the last Olympics. Uh, and when it aired on one of the time zones, the, um, 
the studio freaked out and then they pulled it on the next time zone airing because I guess they realized they're getting money from this industry and they can't really talk bad about it. Crazy, huh? Anyway, so why? Why have we been pushed to believe that cal uh, calcium only comes from dairy? Well, registered dietitians, they've been pushing dairy for a very long time and this is where the indoctrination began. Uh, I remember when I was working at a pharmacy years ago, this lady came in. This is a prime example, and she had osteoporosis, and I asked her what she was eating, and uh, she said she's drinking four glasses of milk. I go, well, you got to stop. And she goes, are you crazy? My doctor told me I need to drink more milk because I have osteoporosis. It's not the doctor's fault. They don't, they don't really know nutrition, but I'm trying to tell her, and she became so resistant to the point where she was offended. And I said, all right, lady, listen, you do what you want, but I'm just telling you what your doctor doesn't know. Uh, regardless, that is just a microcosm of the indoctrination that, we, that we've been led to believe, right? And not even question at that, at that point. But our food pyramid, even it has a whole dairy section. But Canada, how bold they are. They just swiped away the dairy section and they said, and animal protein section, and they started adding in whole food plant-based. Our Canadian friends up north are so woke and so empowered. Um, I have a lot of love for them for doing that. Anyway, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, this holds over 78,000 credentialed dietetic practitioners. This is the academy that is being influenced and infiltrated by the dairy industry and led to believe that this is the way to relay calcium and the benefits of dairy. But Dr. Marion Nestle of NYU said, dairy lobbyists convinced nutritionists that dairy foods were equivalent to the essential nutrients and the only reliable source of calcium. This is the best quote that I've heard because that totally emphasizes the way that these nutritionists and registered dietitians are being brainwashed to believe that calcium is only coming from dairy. But it gives us strong bones, Dr. Gonzalez. Eh, let's, let's go back. Actually, the evidence over the 20 years says otherwise. Osteoporotic bone fracture rates are highest where? In countries that consume the most amount of dairy and animal protein. What? In fact, most studies of fracture, of fracture risk provide actually little to no evidence that milk or other dairy products does anything to benefit bone. Crazy, huh? Anyway, strong bones. So how do we get strong bones then, Dr. G? I mean, you tell me I gotta get off the milk. How do I get strong bones? Well, you limit your animal protein. You increase your fruits and veggies. You get exercise, you get sun, and you get plant-based sources of calcium. Why? Because calcium is more highly absorbed in beans and greens between 40 to 64% as opposed to the 32% that comes from milk. That might've blown your mind, right? Tell your doctor that, or tell your doctor to call me and I'll tell your doctor that. Two huge studies, one from Harvard, one from Sweden, showed no protective effect of milk on fracture risk, none. And this was huge, mega studies, hundreds of thousands of people, no protective effect on fractures. And also multiple smaller ones showed the same thing. Well, Dr. G, my pediatrician says my kid needs to drink three glasses of milk. Well, how about children? What would a study say for that? Neither milk nor calcium intakes appears to have a beneficial effect on children's bones. All right, what about my teen? You know, my kid's hitting puberty. They gotta be drinking milk. Well, actually, early studies show that milk did nothing for bone mineral density. You know what did? Exercise. Yes, for sure. How about, how about the well-designed studies, the randomized control trials? 
Well, when they did that on teenagers, they showed when the teenagers doubled their, their milk calcium intake for a year, the investigators found no difference in bone density. Shall I keep going? So the World Health Organization says that, this is the quote, the adverse effects of protein, in particular animal protein, might outweigh the positive effects of calcium intake on ca or calcium balance. What do they suggest? Exercise. That's how you strengthen your bones. Fruits, veggies, and lowering animal protein. Why are we still having milk if physiologically we start decreasing our lactose enzyme after we wean? Remember I said we have to get back to nature in all of these episodes before this because if nature is telling us we're not supposed to be consuming milk, why are we losing this lactose or lactose enzyme right after we wean? That's nature saying breastfeed for mom, not cows, no cows, and then let ourselves go into childhood without the influence of another species fluid. All right, three quarters of the world's population is quote unquote lactose intolerant. I remember I got a Instagram DM after I put a bunch of milk posts from this girl and she goes, well, what about fermented cow's milk? Is that healthy? I go, fermented human breast milk would be healthier. And she goes, ew. Does that not show how brainwashed we've become? How indoctrinated we've become to believe that, oh, it's tasty to have the growth fluid, the milk of another species. But then when we talk about it being more bioavailable, more close to nature, if we drink the milk from the breast of another woman of our species, well, then we get grossed out. How about a dog? Can we drink a dog milk? How about cat milk? This is what we have to start thinking about. Um, how ridiculous it sounds to think that we as adults are drinking the, the fluid made for a young cow. All right, so what else? We talked about calcium, what else? There's mounting evidence. We already know prostate. It not only contributes to the growth of prostate cancer, but the progression of it. Any prostate cancer patient who comes to me automatically has to be off of dairy and cheese. So if your dad, if your brother, if your uncle, if your grandfather has prostate cancer, get them off of dairy. Ovarian cancer, we're starting to see that already. Breast cancer, National Cancer Institute in 2017 said certain cheeses raise the risk of breast cancer by 53%. The risk, crazy. Milk increases the risk of estrogen receptor negative breast cancer. It's a type of non-hormonal breast cancer. Why? Because milk has something called insulin-like growth factor, insulin growth factor, and other hormones. What these hormones do is they bind to the receptor of the cell, they signal this pathway in the nucleus, in the mitochondria, and it tells this cell to start behaving in a certain way that is in line with the formation of tumor, not only the formation of tumors, but also the progression. Every step of the formation of cancer, insulin growth factor is implicated, okay? It also messes with these genes called oncogenes and tumor suppressor genes. These are both implicated in the progression of cancer, the creation of cancer. Uh, it also messes with sex hormone receptors. This is why it increases estrogen and androgens, testosterone. This is why we, we know that milk can affect hormones. One thing I see clinically all the time People who present with what is appearing like androgenic acne, let's say a woman with acne throughout her cheeks and her, and her chin, when we get them off of dairy, why does it get better so fast? This is what we have to think about, right? Because we know that dairy affects your hormones, period. Milk also has other contaminants, antibiotics, pesticides, 
dioxin, all right? How about heart disease, diabetes, obesity, chronic disease conditions? Why? Because it's so high in saturated fat, total fat, cholesterol. What's the reason why when people have heart disease or diabetes, they're automatically put on a plant-based diet devoid of animal proteins, particularly dairy? Because it's been shown to be helpful to reverse those diseases. You can reverse those diseases. Study after study showing this is how you help these patient populations. Get them off dairy. What about cheese? What about cheese? I mean, it takes 10 pounds of milk to pick one pound of cheese. Why are we addicted to cheese? Well, it stimulates these mu receptors. What are mu receptors? Well, they're sensitive to opioids, right? Casomorphins. That's what it's called, the casomorphins. They are sensitive and they are stimulated by morphine, codeine, heroin, and casomorphin. They're on the same class. Now, not to the extent, not as strong as those drugs, but it's still the same receptors. This is why there's people who experience withdrawal when they get off of dairy. I don't know why, but a lot of Mostly women have a lot of issues getting off dairy more than men. We don't know yet why. But there's a case of morphine called BCM7, and preliminary evidence shows that it's associated with diabetes, cardiovascular disease, food allergies, like histamine sensitivity, delayed gastric emptying. That's why a lot of people get heartburn and bloating, constipation, delays in psychomotor development in children. Uh, cheese as a whole, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, periodontal disease, lower sperm counts, inflammatory bowel disease, Parkinson's, breast cancer, acne, and everything else I mentioned with uh, milk and dairy. Oof. All right. So I want to bring to light the industry that is pushing this. I wanna bring to light the corruption behind the industry that's pushing this. And this is gonna be my favorite part of the segment. Well, uh, Michelle Simon did this publication called Whitewashed. And what it did was reveal that because the dairy industry has been losing so much money, the government, the USDA, uh, helped them by creating a checkoff program. All right, because they took this surplus and they go, what the hell do we do with this? Well, we can't just throw it away. We gotta make some money on it. They created this checkoff program with fast food, the fast food industry. Where do you think double steak quesadillas came from? Where do you think extra cheese Taco Bell came from? Where do you think three cheese stuffed crust pizza came from at Pizza Hut? This is all due to the checkoff program to increase the amount of cheese and dairy in their foods so they can get rid of the surplus and we're paying for that with our tax dollars. How corrupt is that? Same thing happened with McDonald's and Domino's and other fast foods. So this is the same. So basically the government has created a program that is literally creating the diseases that they're pushing to prevent. That's bipolar of the, the government. I mean, how many, how many sides do they have? That's crazy, right? Let's talk about study manipulation. Well, the National Dairy Council was so desperate, they did this study that said, Vegan cheese is as inflammatory as dairy, as cheese, animal cow cheese, okay? And then we measured this with CRP. Well, it's not, but they made it as inflammatory. How? They added an inflammatory oil called palm oil. So they, they, it wasn't just cow cheese versus vegan cheese. It was cow cheese versus vegan cheese plus palm oil. And guess what? They raised the vegan cheese to have the same amount of saturated fat as the cheese from the cows. And guess what? They had the same amount of inflammation, inflammatory markers. This is my favorite one of all. You can look this up. 
The studies call milk and dairy products good or bad for human health. An assessment of the totality of scientific evidence came out in 2016 in the Food and Nutrition Research Journal. Okay. What you're going to see in the results, it says milk is associated with reduced childhood obesity in adults and improves body composition. Oh, it does. It facilitates weight loss. Hmm. Reduces risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease as opposed to all the other studies we saw and stroke and it's beneficial to bone density even though all the stuff I mentioned before and no risk of fracture and it's inversely related to cancers like prostate cancer. Whoa. You see, if I was a pediatrician or a medical doctor and I saw that journal, I'd be like, oh, well, there you go because I know that I wouldn't have had the nutrition training that I'm supposed to have in conventional medical school. I go, well, here's a study that shows this. Dairy's fine. I can continue giving it to my patients. Well, let me bring to light something about this study. I always urge people to scroll down to the part that says conflicts of interest, right? Because studies, you want to know that the authors of the study don't have any conflicts of interest. Well, it turns out that this study has a giant paragraph of conflicts of interest, one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. There's six authors, five of the six authors had conflicts of interest. Every single out of those at five authors, four said the sponsors had no role in design and conduct of the studies, data collection and analysis, interpretation of the data, decision to publish or preparation of the manuscripts. So basically it would say an author, the dairy, ties that they had and then have that quote. And then the author and the dairy ties it had and then that quote. It had it for four of those five, but the very last one didn't have it at all. It said all of that author's uh, ties to the dairy industry, which were like eight, eight or nine ties. And then it didn't say that quote. What I'm trying to bring to light is this. How is an industry funded or industry influenced study going to bash that same industry. You have to take it with not a grain of salt, a grain of Himalayan salt lamp. It's gotta be way more than a grain of salt. You have to be, uh, you have to be looking at these studies way objectively. You have to look at these studies going, hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm gonna make sure that what I read is what I read and I'm gonna look at the conflicts of interest and then check out what they say. That, that was just crazy to see that. And, and like, it's just, and the crazy part is this, like medical doctors are gonna see that study and they're just gonna think that dairy's okay, right? Because they don't have the time to scroll down five pages and see the conflicts of interest. And this is not, this is just a microcosm of all industries, but I'm just calling out dairy right now. All right, I'm gonna leave you with this knowledge bomb segment by saying this, Dr. Michael Clapper. Dr. Michael Clapper is a doctor who gave me this bomb quote a while ago that I saw, and it was amazing. It says, you are not lactose intolerant. You are just not a baby cow. Let that sink in. And let's go to our product review. All right, everyone, for today's product review, we're naturally, we're going to talk about cheese. We're not going to talk about cow's cheese. We're going to talk about alternative cheese. This is a booming industry. I think at this point, everyone I know has tried an alternative cheese. But the question is, are they healthy? How clean are they? This is what we're gonna review. The first, as always, I start with my least favorite, and then I build up to my favorite. My least favorite is this one, Daya, Daya, whatever it's called. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. This is probably the most popular one. It got bought out by a pharmaceutical company back in 2017 for I think $300 million. Um, 
And this company is pretty much the one used exclusively when you go to the, like a alternate or a vegan pizzeria or a pizzeria that has vegan pizza. Daya is probably one of the most popular ones. I don't like it for a few reasons. Here's why. There's no certification. At this point, with all the shows I've done, you all should be experts, knowing what to look for. There's no certification, nothing about it being organic, nothing about it even being non-GMO. And when you look at the ingredients, this one is jalapeno Havarti style. And when you look at the ingredients, it has tapioca starch, and we know that's from cassava. Okay. And it has non-GMO expeller press canola or safflower oil. Anytime there's canola oil, it needs to be non-GMO. So they say it's non-GMO. The problem is still it has canola and safflower oil. Those aren't oils you should be ingesting really ever. They're pretty inflammatory. So it's made with, they, they can even, they should and could have used better oils, but it's made with inflammatory oils. I don't like that. Jalapeno peppers and pea protein, both of which, especially the peppers, any peppers, bell peppers, jalapeno peppers, they need to be organic. This one doesn't have organic um, jalapeno peppers or doesn't specify that it does. Um, and then it has a few other gums, which can cause a lot of digestive issues for people. And um, yeah, overall, that's that's the way it's presented. I think that Daya should be a little bit more vigilant and clean with their ingredients, less fillers, um, more organic ingredients and it would just be a much better cheese. Me personally, I don't do well with it, probably because of, well, maybe the uh, non-organic ingredients or the gums. I just don't do well with it. I blow it, I don't feel good when I have it. So that's the diet cheese, my least favorite. Um, listen, companies that are doing alternative cheeses, I'm already a fan of in general, but now we're just empowering you all to choose uh, with more education. So th here's one, this is this, and I got all these at Whole Foods. I'm sure that there's really good ones online too. Um, this is Treeline, okay? Treeline, I wanted to say a, a few words about. I called them this morning. I called them this morning because I looked at the ingredients and again, no, no organic labels. Um, it, says, it does say that it's non-GMO and it has no palm oil, which we know is an inflammatory oil. It's gluten-free, soy-free, okay. But um, in the ingredients, you'll see they're a lot more simple than the Daya, right? Much less gums, actually no gums, which is really cool. So from, the, from face value, it looks pretty good. But then we, we see the cashew nuts. And this one, again, is a chipotle serrano pepper flavor. The cashew nuts and the uh, pepper powder and the, and the serrano peppers, they're not organic. And as I mentioned, we have to make sure that peppers... Are organic. Bell peppers, hot peppers, cayenne peppers, they need to be organic. We know that they're really sprayed. So I called this morning, this company, and I asked, hey, um, what's up? Where are, are your cashews organic? Are your peppers organic? And they said no to and they said no to both. They're both conventional. And I asked why, and they said, well, to source organic cashews, the price point would be less accessible to people, right? It would be it would be really expensive. I said, all right. But then I looked at the receipt and I saw that my favorite, the cleanest cheese is le less expensive than the tree line one. So I didn't really understand that reasoning at that point because you can make a clean cheese like 
my favorite, Miyoko's cheese, Miyoko. Uh, you can make a clean cheese and still have it have a lower price point than the tree line one. So I like Miyoko's. This is the fresh vegan mozzarella. Um, it uses or you automatically use, look, USDA organic, beautiful. It uh, uses organic cashews, organic coconut oil. It has a tapio tapioca starch um, and then sunflower lecithin um, and some probiotic cultures. Anyway, this is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. The ingredients are clean. Not coincidentally, I do pretty well with this. Yeah, Miyoko's is, it's not cheap, but it's cheaper than Treeline, which told me that they couldn't get organic cashews because it was too expensive. But Miyoko's uses organic cashews. Um, this one is particularly, mozzarella is good for like homemade pizza. They have different flavors. It's pretty good. Um, doesn't cause any digestive issues for me. And um, yeah, that's my favorite. I remember I talked about Miyoko's one time as, a, as my favorite option. And this guy got really mad on Instagram and he goes, you're paid by Miyoko's. He goes, you're, you're putting up this post just to get paid by them. And I said, well, damn, I wish I got paid by them. The way, the, how much I talk about Miyoko's, Mio, Mr. Miyoko, Mrs. Miyoko, if you're listening, please pay the doctor. All right. Anyway, much love to all. That's my product review. Let's go to our guest. All right. So for today's special guest, I say special because she's very special. I say favorite. She's one of my favorite guests. I say favorite all the time, but she really is one of my favorite. I've known her for quite a while. We've grown together both on Instagram. She is the amazing Dr. Vivian. Welcome to the show, Doc. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm so honored to be here. You are a medical doctor in the UK. Correct. So if, if you step into London, yep. you'd be, you be, you oh, be yes. able to practice. Yeah, and I still, I still go back there and practice okay. to keep up with my license. So okay, cool. I was uh, board certified in internal medicine and family practice, okay. and I practiced for 14 years. So ah. I have a lot of experience in conventional medicine over there. And I, and I think that that's where I can make a big change because people still look up to doctors. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, my, my MD said this, so that must be the ultimate truth. Mm -hmm. um, and then so for an MD to then say, mm -mm, no, you probably shouldn't, like, you know, how, how about we look at your diet? You know, that, that kind of... Really makes right? a change, yeah, because that, that actually really affects them. Then, yeah. whereas you know, if you're just like a lay person, no, I'm not saying like you know people yeah. without MD title, yeah. but yeah. somehow society still puts like MDs on a pedestal. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so, or, or do you plan on going back and forth there, or going there every now and then, and yeah. helping educate? Uh, yes. Back home. Yeah, yeah. So um, I still go back there to practice. Um, so when the kids are on summer break, that's when I do it. Oh. Uh, and then I've connected with doctors over there and, you know, I've still got lots of medical colleagues over there mm -hmm. who I'm trying to, and, you know, they follow me on social media now. Oh, so, do they? you know, it's great. I think that the fact that they follow me, even though they don't necessarily agree with everything that I'm preaching yeah. means that there is doubt in their mind. Like I think the seed is starting to, yeah. um, sprout yeah and then we're gonna see it flower hopefully soon yeah there's intrigue coming right they yes. go they go oh wait a, wait a minute i don't really know about this nutrition aspect for my patients and i know patients are getting better and i know dr vivian's getting them better you know yeah. that's the intrigue that's pulling them in there maybe yeah. i can learn a little something and i think the key is that this is science-based mm -hmm. that we are using evidence so you know we're trained at medical school look at the evidence practice evidence-based mm -hmm. medicine but there is evidence there is evidence for 
whole food plant-based diet, mm -hmm. reversing heart disease, dating back, what, like 18, 20 years? Yeah. And, you know, while I was in medical school, why, why is that oh, not in medical it. textbooks? No, they need to talk about it. Yeah, why? I was a cardiology intern. Why was I not using that diet to help people reverse their heart disease before they landed up on the, you know, the surgical table doing their yeah. triple, quadruple bypasses. I bet you were an expert on statins, though. <laughs> Unfortunately, I tell you, it's a really... The reason why I think that medical doctors are not fully on board yet is because it's really painful mm -hmm. to have that realization that you dedicated, like, six years of your life to devoting your life to want to help people, mm -hmm. and then... You, and then you realize that there's so much missing from yeah. education. Yeah. Um, I got chills on that one. Yeah. And it's, it was, it was when, I real, when I had that epiphany, and I had that, I mean, for, for the first, first probably five years of my practice, I did acute medicine. So I was, you know, treating people with heart attacks and, you know, asthma attacks. And it's very rewarding because you see somebody you know, and then you, you get them better. So mm -hmm. I never really doubted anything that I was trained in. But when I slowly moved into the chronic disease management, that's when I started to realize, hang on a minute. I had this diabetic patient who I started them on metformin, you know, the, the uh, first line diabetic medication. Uh, and then five years later, I'm prescribing like 10 medications and they've, in, they've put on weight and the, the, the numbers are not getting any better. So... That, that um, put doubt in my mind. And then when my daughter had her milk allergy, and where, that was when conventional medicine epically failed me. Mm -hmm. um, because I was a doctor, and she was under the care of four doctors. She had this weird symptom of not wanting to feed, so she, she just stopped feeding uh, when she was like eight weeks old. Nobody could work out why. Um, and she was tube fed just to keep her alive. Yeah. So um, then later on, I had to do my own research to realize that was a dairy allergy. Yeah. Like delayed onset cow's milk protein allergy. Yeah. Um, and then when I asked her allergist, hey, is there anything we can do to help her outgrow her allergies? The allergist said, no, there's nothing you can do. Just pray that she, you know, she'll grow out of it. There's nothing about diet, lifestyle, like what led to it. That was just kind of like, okay, this is not good enough. Mm. Really, like I, I cannot be practicing this style of medicine anymore. Um, and then when I looked into, so that what led me into nutrition and lifestyle is actually my, my daughter, um, and, but then later on, I realized, hang on a minute, why are there studies on, you know, heart disease reversal? Like, what am I missing? And where were they during school? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, um, but it was so painful when I was coming across evidence after evidence that, you know, I could have been doing something differently for my patients all those years. Yeah. And you just like, oh, cringe, you know, but, yeah. you know, you try not to think about what mistakes you've you know you don't know what you don't know yeah but now that i know what i know i i just cannot go back there anymore yeah you can't you no, can't you because because you see a light in the way that people are healing that is much more effective than the sick care paradigm that these doctors live in and it's unfortunate because i can imagine it being very painful 
right? Yeah. Uh, and I see conventional medicine excel so well in acute medicine and emergent yeah. medicine, mm -hmm. but fail miserably in chronic disease, right? And everything in between. That's why I always say there's a there's an awesome place for conventional medicine yes. in that in that realm. Yeah. But everything else, you know, there's got to be other people picking up the slack. Yeah. And how crazy is it to go to school for so long, not learn nutrition, not even learn that there's studies based, evidence based uh, approaches to diet, lifestyle, even supplementation mm -hmm. for these patients. But you're like, oh wow, I didn't learn, I didn't learn half my education. What happened? Exactly. You that, know? That's exactly what happened to me. So what a brave soul you are. So so you had this sh uh, shift in understanding, and then is that when you came here to America? Yeah, you know what's funny you asked that because I burnt out um, because not because the workload is too high is when you day after day feel like you're not helping your patients mm -hmm. and you're like because you know in the model I was seeing patients one patient every 10 minutes so and then I had I was seeing like more 40 50 patients a day there's no way I can incorporate lifestyle um, and then there were no resources like, you know, I couldn't say go speak to that dietitian because the dietitians were not really trained in the kind of lifestyle, rever you know, disease reversal. So they were, you know, they will be still telling patients with diabetes to eat sure. the equivalent sure. of standard American diet, but, you know, a little bit better version of it, which actually didn't do that much. So yeah. I burnt out because I felt so frustrated. And so when, and then at the, that time, my husband got an opportunity to move here. And I was just like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Um, I didn't even think, okay, it means that I wouldn't have my license in the, in the States because I would have to, you know, retake the exams. Um, I was just like, okay, let's go. I don't even think I'm going to miss this job anymore. Yeah. Um, and then we literally moved in six months. How long ago was this? Three years ago. Wow. And then you just came to America. And then what? Did you plan on practicing here or what? what? I, I literally had no plans. I was just kind of like, it was kind of like, I'm so fed up with what I'm doing. Like, a, I couldn't see light at the end of the tunnel. And I was, it was kind of like just jumping out of a situation. Um, so I came here and then after we settled in, it was kind of like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> actually miss my patients. Uh -huh. I, I missed interactions. Yeah, yeah. I really, and then so I thought, you know what, I have a lot of knowledge uh, and experience. So I'm going to blog, I'm going to share my knowledge. Yeah. Um, because I'm going to empower people to know that they their health is in their hands. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. So I actually started blogging. And then the, my blogger friends were telling me, hey, you need to get on social media because, yeah. you know, that's how you get exposed. So, so I was like, I don't even know how to do Instagram. So somebody helped me set up my yeah. Instagram account and then, yeah, just started from there. Okay. And that's yeah. when we found each other and I was exactly. like... Exactly, yeah. And then as I did shed more and more, people were kind of saying, hey, can you help me? Because I, I really want like have high cholesterol. Um, what can I do? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to look into how I can help people. So now I, I, I set myself up as a health coach. Mm -hmm. So I coach people online with just lifestyle um, interventions. Yeah. So no prescriptions. It's so rewarding. It, it's changing people's lives, right? Yep. How, how interesting it is that basic fundamental building blocks of health are missed in the paradigm that we call conventional medicine. And now you're 
inserting these building blocks and they go, hey, I'm feeling better. Hey, yeah, exactly. I have color in my face. Hey, I'm yeah. losing weight. Yeah, right? it's incredible. I mean, I had to deal with my ego because <laughs> it's like, you know, when you remove that arm of like, I'm, you know, I'm the MD and then you, you kind of think, are people actually going to listen to me now because I'm not a practicing MD in this country? But it's, a, you know, I think it's people can see the value and the truth. And, you know, because we share so much information, it's not like we don't know, you know, even though I strip myself of that MD title, I still have my experience and the knowledge. I think, yeah, and I think people know that and see that, right? Like yeah. you, you still have the abundance of knowledge when it comes to pathologies and progressions of diseases. And maybe in your head, you know what's going on. You can't really diagnose, but right. you sort of know how to approach it from your standpoint of how you're helping them, lifestyle, diet stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that when you see the rewards, then it's all worth it. It doesn't really matter what you're called. As long as we're helping people, that's, that's the end goal, right? It's true. Health is health, right? Yeah. That's why I'm such an advocate of integrative teams, mm -hmm. right? Because... I may be an expert in something. I don't know everything. Exactly. So why don't yeah. we get someone else in here who yeah. knows things? And, exactly. you know, that's the way you maximize patient's health. I don't know anything about acupuncture. I've seen acupuncture help people. Yeah. It's helped me, mm -hmm. you know? So, so we refer out. Exactly. Yeah. Refer out. Exactly. So you are, first of all, you, you can cook. You make meals. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I remember you sent me this uh, meal plan when we were working together on some food meal plans. And I made one of the dishes. And... There is a oh, difference nice. between like quick uh, plant-based meals yep. versus the gourmet stuff that you make. That stuff oh, was thank you. <laughs> delicious. Did you, were you always into cooking or what, what, what happened? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was always into cooking. I always, because I knew I wanted to be in control of what is actually on my plate because, you know, as you've often talked about, you know, what's, what oil did they use? What cookware did they use? Like, mm -hmm. Has it been sitting in a plastic container and then microwaved? Yeah. So I wanted to be in control of my own food. And I'm not obsessive about it. We do eat out, you know, and enjoy our meals. But when I can control it, then I, I, I like cooking at home. Yeah. Um, so I feel that that is actually quite a key component to health and changes. So, you know, with my clients who don't know how to cook, then we scale that down to like more simple meals. So they may be just putting you know, pre-cooked prep meal prepped items on with a salad dressing rather yeah. than, you know, elaborate meals. But then for those who are more experienced in the kitchen, they can try the different, you know, more elaborate recipes. Yeah. And I, I find time-wise it's hard to make elaborate meals and for tasty sure. meals. So if, if you work and you're busy. Exactly. Yeah. You work and you're busy. So a really nice key and why I, we, we worked together on Alma Food Medicine a few, yeah. more than a few times yeah. um, because of that, like just quick meals, how people exactly. can make them on the go. Yeah. And there, there are lots of meal delivery services now too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the issue is also, you, you just still don't know whether they use canola oil <laughs> to cook and stuff. So yeah. So what's, can, can you tell us the importance of how there's a lot of healthy plant-based places, but what's the importance of the style it's cooked or the ingredients that go in? Um, yeah, so oil is a big one. Um, what kind of oil did they use? Um, has it been, you know, reused, heated to high heat where it's oxidized and now it's become trans fats? Mm -hmm. um, oxidized fat is so detrimental to our health. Um, and also salt, mm -hmm. the flavoring that goes into you know, do they put MSG? Yeah. Do, you know, is it high? Usually restaurant meals are high salt. Yeah. 
Um, and also the other thing is pesticides, right? So if you're if you're eating, um, you know, the dirty dozen, is it organic? Yeah. So I mean, you're lucky you live in LA. There's so many restaurants that use in organic ingredients, but that's not the case throughout. It's not the everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of like these quick salad places that you know you can make your own salad really quick, mm. it, like like a buffet basically. Yeah. But they don't really use any organic ingredients, no. you no. know, and yeah. so. That's the flip side of the coin. You want to go out and eat healthy, but you sort of have to empower yourself to know that there's other steps. That doesn't mean go crazy and go, hey, we're, what was in? What oil did you use to right, cook this? Exactly, you go out to eat, yeah. you go out to eat. You yeah, know? exactly. Enjoy the process. Because the stress associated with exactly. over-obsessiveness can cause leaky guts. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> and then you, right. you might absorb that, those toxins a little bit more. But if you're doing it every day... Yeah. Then it then it would behoove you to start understanding where your food comes from, right? If you're getting right. food every day from this salad place, find out if it's organic produce. Yeah, exactly. You know, or start yeah. making your own stuff. As you mentioned, you get to empower yourself in the kitchen. You know, I'm gonna cook. So, what oil? Let's say I need to put really high heat. What's what's a good oil to to use? Avocado. Avocado. I use avocado. Um, but then, if you're not whole for plant based, you could maybe use ghee. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about coconut oil because I've heard re like. I think it's a little lower. Like I say medium. A little bit lower. Yeah. Yeah. But I cook with avocado. I actually use broth to cook a lot. You do? Yeah. So broth is actually my oil. So, oh. you know, if I was sauteing vegetables, I would. So I actually make my broth and then freeze it in ice cubes. And then I'll dump like two oh, ice cubes in the pan, let it melt. So it's kind of oil. Yeah. And then just throw the vegetables in. And because oh. broth is so flavorful... You actually don't then need to use salt either. So then it's kind of like if you're oil free and salt free, that's actually a good way. You heard it here first. The, yeah. kit, <laughs> the, the ice cube vegetable yes. kitchen hack. And stainless steel ice cube trays. Stainless steel ice cube trays. Yeah, no yeah. plastic or anything like that. No. Yeah, we, and, exactly. and you know that I'm huge on environmental medicine and mm -hmm. the way our foods and our home is even affecting our health. Exactly. So yeah. really important to use the proper cookware. Yeah, exactly. And just to say, I know all of this because I learned the hard way. I was mercury toxic. Um, but I was probably mercury toxic with symptoms because of my, you know, my brain barrel of toxins was so, so full. I grew up in Taiwan where they, you know, pesticides everywhere, DDT. Um, I ate. So, you know, I was already very toxic. And then you add mercury on top, boom, you have like all the symptoms. And your exposure came from what, your amalgam fillings? Amalgam. Uh, and also in Taiwan, there's just a lot of coal burning. So mercury was in the air as well and in, in, the, in the sea. But then you found out you had mercury toxicity. How did you know that was the issue? So I actually spent about a year going to different doctors. Um, and they just told me I was stressed out. Mom... I was literally, I was so tired that I would drive home and have to like pull up on the side of the road, have a five minute nap just so I don't crash going yeah. to pick up my kids. Profound. Um, so like I was severely fatigued and brain fogged. Those were my main symptoms. But I also, you know, I also had insomnia, anxiety. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could have believed that I just was stressed as well, because, you know, when you're stressed, you're not sleeping enough and, you know, taking care of the kids, you may have a little bit of brain fog. So I kind of went along with it. But one day I was so tired, I almost fell asleep at the wheel. And I was like, you know, this is, this is not. So it's just kind of the 
just like the epiphany I had with my daughter, it's like, no, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm not. Yeah. This is not normal. Like no human being. And then you know, I was in the in the grocery store, and I I saw my friend, and I couldn't remember her name. You started getting the real bad brain fog. And huh? I was I was like. This is not normal for me to, like, at the age of 32, not remember my friend's name. And actually, um, I don't know, you know Mark Hyman, right? Mm -hmm. I think he also was a microtoxin, had very similar symptoms to me. So he he wasn't able to remember his patients' names and, you know, names of conditions and drugs and things like that. So, um, So I actually started just researching my symptoms on PubMed and then came across all these articles on mercury and how it affects you know, it's a neurotoxin and then amalgams, you know, amalgams don't even get like dental care. Yeah. I really honestly feel that dental dentists have such a huge role in our toxicities. Oh, in yeah. Our society. Yeah. I have in a few months a, a holistic dentist coming on. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's I think that there's need to be more awareness out there. But um, then I realize, hang on a minute, if I if my blood pressure, sphig, you know, the mercury ones, the old-fashioned ones, because yeah. I'm trained a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that broke on a ward with patients, I, we shut the whole ward down. Right, okay? but we have it in our mouth. And so, yeah, why is it okay for it to be in our mouth? And then we're just told, we're taught that it's inert. It doesn't vaporize, but actually it does. Like, you know, there's tests where they... We see that. Yeah, yeah. we see that in studies. Uh, and then anyway, so I realized how toxic I was and I kind of looked into it and then I went to my doctors, conventional doctors, and they're like, no, mercury's fine. You're not going to get poisoning from it. You don't even, it's inert. Uh, but when I started doing the detox, um, my symptoms improved. I started sleeping. My anxiety, my anxiety went, my migraines went. Yeah. So... Yeah, and you did a heavy detox. No, I actually did it myself. I, I didn't do DM, the, the uh, DMPS yeah. uh, or anything. Yeah. So I just did chlorella, you know, the how long did How long did you do it for? Over a year. I'm still doing it now. Wow. Because I still feel, because my I'm, I'm relatively clean of symptoms now, when I, I can feel when there's stuff in my, so I start to feel a little bit more brain foggy and then I would take the chlorella. And then, you know, just add in a little bit more. You know where conventional medical doctors will test mercury? Blood. In the blood. Yeah. Why? Why? Exactly. It's, it's, if you find it in the blood, you'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> so what? <laughs> exactly. I'd be, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think lead is probably the only thing that you would test on blood and all the other heavy metals. They hide in your fat, mm-hmm. right? So hide in your brain, your joints, your t- soft tissues. Yeah. And that's why animal products that are high, high in fat, you know, probably 100 years ago, they were okay to eat. And a lot of people say, oh, well, our, our ancestors used to eat animal products, but, but the, those animals didn't have heavy metals in their mm-hmm. fat. Mm-hmm. So, and all these industrial chemicals that are fat soluble that are sticking right, dioxins, in the... Right, PCB. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and this is what I sort of try to bring to light because we know that 98% of dioxin exposure comes from animal products. Yeah. We these are and we know that dioxin is characterizes probably the worst toxin of all, yeah. next to you know glyphosate, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, I, I I'm with you on that. Yeah, one. so yeah. we people are not talking about it though. Not talking about it, right? So you know, cheese, high fat, mm-hmm. 
that's full of dioxin mm-hmm. uh, and then fish. So yeah, yeah, and I was eating fish back then as well. So fish, amalgams, the air pollution that just all added up. To yeah, and 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 at that point, it doesn't really matter if it's organic or grass fed right. or free range. Exactly. They're still exposed to environmental toxins. Yeah. Granted, you know, there's the the diet's different, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they're fed food that is better quality, which is wonderful because it changes the inflammatory profile. Yeah, for sure. But you still can't escape these environmental toxins that are being exposed to over and over, right. building up, building up, building up in the fat, and then we yeah. eat it. Yeah. So Because the there's glyphosate in rainwater now, right? Mm-hmm. So if that rainwater's falling on the grass that they're eating, they're eating glyphosate, mm-hmm. even if... Even it's if, organic. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and this is why I always push. This is my concern with diets that are like paleo, right? That are super, super high in animal products. Right. Aside from the cardiovascular disease risk, the diabetes risk, right? Yeah. The the neurodegenerative disease risk. We're just talking about exposures to these chemicals that can cause long term issues. Exactly. Yeah. Right? But I think paleo really, if you're looking all the way back to true paleos, they ate like 150 grams of fiber. Mm-hmm. So it's like probably 90% of the plate or even 95% of the plate would be plants. Mm-hmm. And then 5-10% animal protein. They'll probably eat animal pro- products what once a week if yeah. they went, when they did hunt one down. Yeah. Um, so it's completely different to the paleos that we would see like where they're eating meat three times a day. That's not possible. It wouldn't yeah. be possible for like our ancestors back yeah. then, right? Yeah, I think that's that's the main fault and oversight for paleo diets is in thinking that, right? Yeah. So then that that they think that they have free range to just eat all these animal products all day. Yeah. Um, and many times the same thing goes with keto too. Oh um, yes, yeah. So I think I I personally think keto is probably more dangerous than I do paleo, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if done in the long term. Because mm-hmm. uh, we know there's no safety to show that it's long term. We right. don't know there's that no it's... There's no long term studies yet. Yeah. Uh, and there's just zero fiber and all the fat, yeah. right? The fat, we're talking about the, the source of toxins and then yeah. they don't have the fiber to then bind to those toxins mm-hmm. to detoxify. Mm-hmm. There's no phytonutrients to help the body's detoxification system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I worry about the keto diet long Yeah, you'll lose weight quick, but... Then what? You know, you're going to yeah. continue doing it. And then the it? microbiome. Yeah, and then the gut microbiome, right? right. You're not, where's, where's all the cellulose? Where's all the fiber going? Right. And we know that the keto diet works for intractable epilepsy because mm-hmm. it changes the children's microbiome, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So do you want to change your microbiome? And, you know, the, uh, I read a study where I think maybe a third or half of the kids who were in the study using a keto diet to treat their epilepsy became hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's like real... Robin from Peter to pay Paul. That's the... Yeah, you know? I mean, I, do, I think if there is a medical indication, sure, you know, that's... Yeah. You have to take on the, you know, the sure. risk-benefit analysis. Yeah. But just to lose weight, they're, they're, weight, they're much better ways to, to lose weight. Yeah, I think, that, I think the take-home is make sure your plate is 90% plant Plants. food. Rainbow, yeah. rainbow of colors yeah, too, the importance. A minimum of 50 grams of fiber a day. Oof, that's hard for some people, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Because the average is like, what, 10? Less, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. How, how hard is it then for people to transition who eat a standard American diet and all of a sudden they have right. 50? Yes. Do you, do you suggest to do it slow? Yeah, slow. Right. Yeah, yeah, it right. has to be because they, they will get bloated, they get indigestion, and they're like, okay, this is not for me. So yeah. 
without doubt, you, you start them. Slowly. And that's a big issue. People transition to whole food plant-based. They go, oh my God, I can't, I'm, I'm bloated. I have heartburn. Right. So I feel terrible. It's not good for me, yeah. right? But yeah. then it's kind of like, well, your microbiome is where digestion happens. Then yeah. if your microbiome is not adapted yet, you can't say that it's not good for you. Yeah. That's what James and Dahlia said, episode two, sort of going slow so your microbiome can adapt. Yeah. And then going forward. Exactly. And then there's a lot of, you know, things like sprouting. So if you sprout, then mm. you're removing the phytates, which then are anti-nutrients. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, cooking it thoroughly will remove the lectins. And lectins is mm. all the, the, the craze, the right? So yeah. Don't get me started with that, with that <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, no, that don't whole get book. me started. We can talk and about... The supplements. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which uh, a lot of my clients have come to me on. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, yeah. That, that, that guy's made a living of... We won't mention any names, yes, no, we but, won't. but, you know, yes. <laughs> as, as, and and did, you, did you know that with lectins and phytates, they are uh, a lot more, they cause a lot more issues when bound with pesticides, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. they totally, it's like the entourage effect. The entourage right? effect. Yeah. So, so important to whatever foods are quote unquote high in lectins or high in phytates to get them organic, mm -hmm. get them clean, yeah. right? Because then you're going to have less of an effect. Yes, exactly. You're sensitive to it. And, you know, some legumes are desiccated yeah. with glyphosate. Yeah. So, yeah, I think barley, buckwheat, mm -hmm. uh, oatmeal. Yeah. Aside yeah. from legumes. Yeah. <laughs> no, we could be here all day. So. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, what are your plans now? Are you just going to continue seeing these patients, guiding them through life, getting them healthier? Do you, are you going to write a book one day? What's up? I hope so. I mean, I think. There's just one aim in my mind. I just want to empower people and educate. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, when you know the truth, you have a responsibility to then share it, especially mm -hmm. if you've been educated, like, to the, to the opposite yeah. side, right? So, so that's my mission is to spread that awareness that, you know, actually your health is 90% in your hands. Let's go back to the kitchen, let's go back to the plate and start there and look at your lifestyle, are you sleeping? So, you know, really, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you see that a lot. Like people come to you, they have like digestive issues and stuff. they're just not, they're not sleeping, but nobody's talking to them about sleep. Mm -hmm. But then, that, you know, that, that throws off their HPA axis and then, you know, they have leaky guts. Yeah. You can't really fix gut issues when you're not sleeping. So we've got to look at all of that. And then I think that's where... That's where we're going to see the big change in, in, in medicine. Like, that's where the big levers are. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the industries like Big Pharma don't want us to do this because once you've fixed somebody yep. with root causes, they're fixed. Mm -hmm. So where's the where's, going to yeah, come where's from? Where's the that? comeback customer? But we have to keep preaching that message and just spread yeah. the awareness. So I don't know where... So, you know, just like I never envisaged when I move, I never knew I would have my own company coaching mm -hmm. clients. Yeah. I, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years time. I kind of surrender myself to the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just say, you know, when I meditate at the end of my meditation, I just say, use me, use me to help the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's just my, that's my kind of overall arm. So if it's to write a book, I'm happy with that. If it's to, you know, create education program, I'm happy with that. But you know, whatever I do, I'm just so happy that I saw the light. Mm -hmm. And then I'm practicing 
you know, my work is so much more rewarding now. Mm. Not that there's no place for conventional medicine. Yeah. But I think that now I can actually combine both sides and it's just magical. What an inspiration you are to most medical doctors who can possibly see the light one day, right? They can see you and go, hey, this is, she was practicing the exact same way I was, but look, now she's getting my patients or patients in general much better, much healthier. Yeah. That's that's very inspirational, at least to me, to who you are, a big Thank inspiration. Thank you, you're an inspiration to me, Dr. G. Yeah. So I, I, lots of my friends actually follow you too. So There's a lot of big <laughs> you're overlap. Doing great, they're good, you're doing great work. We're like big Venn diagrams on Instagram. Yes, <laughs> I can imagine So, so where, 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 does, where do people find you? Uh, so on Instagram, I'm um, at plate4health. So that's plate, a plate of food, mm-hmm. P-L-A-T-E-F-U-L dot health, h e l H-E-A-L-T-H. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a website, www.plateforhealth.com. Do you have recipes on there? Um, most of my recipes are on Instagram. Okay. But I will, I will try and post some more on my Okay. Yeah, but I just find that nobody's reading my blogs anymore. Like most people just... I just go on through Instagram, my yeah. Posts, so yeah. Well, if you want to find a good lunch, breakfast, dinner, snack recipe, <laughs> go on her Instagram because her food is on fire. Thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful food, aesthetically pleasing and tasty. So... Thank you, Doc, for coming Thank here, you so taking much your time. Thank you for having me. It was great ch- chatting to you. Yeah, yeah, like I said, you are inspiring many people. And I hope that at least there's maybe one doctor who goes, whoa, this was a good interview. Let me start researching. Let me see what I can do. I hope so. I think it's beautiful what you do. Thank you for coming. Thank you.